Good morning and happy Tuesday to you. You are listening to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright coming to you live from our studios in St. Louis, Missouri, and happy to be with you this morning. You know, it seems like just a week or so ago, it was really bright out. This, Oh, wait, it was. And then we had a time change on the clocks. But here's the encouraging thing. It's already starting to get a little brighter out this morning. And before you know it, I'll forget that it was dark in the morning. So on this March 21st, the second day of spring, let's begin our day in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Eucharistic revival is a topic we are going to be talking about in depth today, and we're going to use one of those great Catholic Scrabble words, mystagogy. What is mystagogy? What does it mean? Why is it important? Are we talking about mystics here? I don't know, but Sister Alicia Torres from the Franciscans of the Eucharist in Chicago knows what we're talking about, and she's going to be with us later on in the show to discuss that very thing. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe, and while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. Today is the feast day of Pope St. Innocent I. Born near Rome in the 4th century, little is known about his early life, but his pontificate was critical to the early church. There were numerous disputes developing between the East and West, and Pope Innocent I helped resolve many of these, which reasserted the importance and the authority of the papacy. As the eloquent St. John Chrysostom denounced church abuse, Pope Innocent I defended him and tried having him reinstated after his exile, though he was not successful. He also fought against numerous heresies, especially Pelagianism, which said original sin had no impact on human nature. He was also friends with and a supporter of St. Jerome. He died in Bethlehem in 420. Pope St. Innocent I, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. We're happy to be speaking today with Sister Alicia Torres, a member of the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago, a religious community that carries out the mission of the church through service to the poor, evangelization, and teaching. Sister, it's so good to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven today. Thanks so much, Adam. It's good to be with you. So we are talking about the Eucharistic revival over the next several months. We've already been in this at the diocesan level. We're starting to look towards the national level and the uh, big Congress that will be happening in 2024. And as part of that, one of the things that's been unveiled is a new series on mystagogy that you are involved with. It's going to begin on April 13th and run through May 25th. Actually, uh, liturgically speaking, Divine Mercy Sunday through Pentecost. So what a wonderful thing. Um, That's a word we've heard before, mystagogy. 
and this is titled Beautiful Light, a Paschal Mystagogy, but it's one that I, even I have to admit, sister, that I know it's a Catholic word, I know it's a good word, but if you asked me to define it right now, I'd be at a loss. So could you shed some light for our listeners and for me on what we're talking about? Absolutely. And that word um, light is so evocative of the whole mystagogical tradition, Adam. And simply put, mystagogy is a very uh, fancy and historically rooted term that talks about liturgical catechesis, meaning how do we help people to deepen their understanding of what happens in the liturgical rites of our church, especially the mass. And so when you think about mystagogy, some people might think about the church fathers and they had a profoundly vast tradition of mystagogy in the early church. And oftentimes we'll also think about newly received members of the church. Sometimes we call them neophytes. In the early church, you may remember that until one was baptized, they didn't actually participate in the liturgy of the Eucharist and the part of the mass where we experience the reliving of the Paschal mystery, the consecration of the bread and wine becoming the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Eucharist. And so there were many things that men and women preparing to be received to the church had to wait to experience until after they were baptized. And so once a person was baptized, their formation didn't end, it continued. And that was what was known as this mystagogical journey or tradition or time for the newly baptized member. And so even to this day, those who enter our church through the order of Christian initiation um, throughout the country, they're should be included in that process after the Easter vigil, after receiving those Easter sacraments to continue to go deeper in these, these um, beautiful mysteries of our faith. And that's what the mystagogical tradition is all about. Um, but perhaps there's, there's a great opportunity to reconsider this because I think in a lot of places, there aren't a lot of resources for people to be able to take advantage of going deeper into these mysteries. So I want to take a step back here for a second, because you said for everyone who goes through the uh, order of Christian initiation, and it's very tempting to think, well, sister's talking just about those who went through RCIA this past year and are coming into the church at the Easter vigil. But uh, if, if I'm correct, sister, all of us who are baptized and confirmed have been through Christian initiation. We just did not go through it in the uh, the truncated version of RCIA. We've been doing this our whole lives. So even we are called to grow in our knowledge and, and study some more and go through this mystagogical process. And, and so what a wonderful opportunity this is. Now, this, this series is going to be titled Beautiful Light, a Paschal Mystagogy. And you mentioned that this is going to, you know, all mystagogy is somewhat liturgical uh, catechesis in nature. Is it safe to say that in this time of Eucharistic revival, that's where we're going to be focusing is on our Lord in the Most Holy Eucharist? You know, absolutely. Within the context of the Mass, Adam, that's where we want to focus with this um, first series that we are serving out through the Heart of the Revival newsletter, which is the national newsletter of the National Eucharistic Revival. And so, of course, the Revival is, is an initiative and inspiration of our bishops, you know, that they have included so many wonderful people around the country in to help make it happen. So we've got Tim Glumkowski and his team at the Congress. We've got people at the USCCB with David Spasia, the Secretary for Catechesis and Evangelization, and then people 
people like myself who are helping um, with the newsletter. So there's so many people around the country that are, in a sense, helping incarnate the reality of the National Eucharistic Revival. And yet, at the heart of the crisis that this revival is really in response to, you know, now uh, the data points that we received after the CARA study last summer indicate that 13% of Catholics are attending Mass regularly on Sunday, which is down from 20% pre-COVID numbers. So that's absolutely tragic and really a distressing number. For me, when I look at that, you know, you can probably hear it in my voice. I, I want to look at it with this like opportunity mindset because otherwise it can get very discouraging and even depressing that the overwhelming majority of baptized Catholics do not experience the love and mercy available to us through the sacraments, especially the mass, the Eucharist. And so part of the beauty of our tradition of catechesis and particularly this tradition of liturgical catechesis is that we want to help people to experience the deeper realities and the deeper mysteries that are offered to us through the liturgy, particularly the celebration of the mass. And so for every Catholic, you know, we need to be evangelized before we can really be open to catechesis. And that's really what we wanted to offer through this new series was a creative way to draw from our mystagogical tradition where we are trying to inspire people, our readers, by the way that we present it so that our their hearts are really open to going deeper into these mysteries, to understanding why is it that we have the preface at Mass or what is the doxology at the end of the Eucharistic prayer all about? You know, going deeper with those things um, through evoking the imagination and then um, touching the heart. And then informing the mind. So th that's our hope with this. And it's really for all of us. I mean, you probably saw the Holy Father's letter, Desiderio Deravi. It's hard to pronounce that quickly. Um, but what he's really calling the church to is to a renewed liturgical formation. And at the heart of that is that catechesis. So when we sign up, and not if we sign up, because we're going to sign up, friends. Let's let's do this. Let's grow in our knowledge of uh, you know of the mass and of liturgy and of our Lord's real presence in the Blessed Sacrament. But when we sign up, sister, what are we in store for? Are we talking that we've got to set aside ten hours a week here for study, or because <laughs> that could be a little intimidating if you're going to tell me ten hours? But I have a feeling that's not the case. Absolutely. You know, that was exactly where my heart and the heart of our editorial team was at when we began to imagine this and consider what we could do. We wanted to make it especially accessible for people today. Um, and also we wanted to design it where it was modular in nature, meaning that there were different styles incorporated into each article so that we could capture attention in different ways and help the users, the readers, uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, really, to engage with the content. And so each uh, article that is part of the series will have really four parts to it. The first part will invite the readers to imagine a particular moment of the Mass. And then there'll be a reflection question to kind of stay with that for a little bit, almost in a sense in the tradition of Ignatian contemplation. How St. Ignatius helps us to reflect on stories from the Gospels. We use that same method, trying to capture different elements of the imagination and the senses to enter into this moment of Mass, and then to reflect on it with a question, because uh, an essential component of the mystagogical tradition is actually experiencing the rites themselves. So we want to help our readers experience the rite, even if they're not 
in the context of mass through reading something that's written um, very creatively and imaginatively. And then from there, we also want to introduce the whole church or reintroduce the whole church to the beautiful writings of the church fathers from the first several hundred years of our tradition. So each of those short imaginative reflections on a rite from the mass is then paired with a short excerpt from one of the church fathers that relates to a theme that we found drawn from that rite in the mass. Um, so we might have something from St. Cyril of Jerusalem or from St. Augustine, some of our great minds in the early church to root us in that tradition. And then we've invited seven different writers, um, some of our archbishops, some lay people consecrated. We have a, a priest, a Canadian priest, Father Harrison Ayer, who just recently published a beautiful book on the sacramental worldview. So we have some wonderful writers that we wanted to have a variety of people from different walks of life who faithfully been following Jesus their whole lives to share with us in this tradition of liturgical catechesis. So each of our writers will offer a short catechesis on the right. And then something that's incredibly essential to mystagogy is making it practical for people. So now that I've reflected on this, imagined this, experienced some of the tradition and learned a little bit about this, what does it mean for my everyday life? Tell me why this matters. How can I allow what I'm learning and reflecting on to affect my heart and my actions in my everyday life so that I can live with Jesus and for Jesus and go on mission with him through this deepening awareness of these beautiful mysteries of our faith? This sounds absolutely wonderful, and I can't wait for the first newsletter to come out. Now, to sign up to receive the newsletters, if I have this correct, and, and sister, please correct me if I don't, we just go to eucharisticrevival.org and then slash heart dash of dash the dash revival dash newsletter. So it's heart of the revival newsletter with a dash in between each of those words, but eucharisticrevival.org slash Heart of the Revival newsletter with those dashes in between all of that. And it will just come straight to our inboxes if I have this correct. Yeah, and it's actually even easier. You could do eucharisticrevival.org slash newsletter and it'll take you to the same page. Oh, see, sister, now you're just offering us extra grace here by giving <laughs> us that URL. I tried to make things overly complicated here. I think this is going to be a wonderful opportunity. Let's all grow in our, our love of our Lord. And, and one of the ways we grow in that love is to know more, not just about him and not just more about the church, but about our rights and, uh, you know, the law of prayer is the law of belief, as they say. So this is a, a wonderful opportunity. Before we let you go, sister, just because we love to spotlight vocations on the show here, really quick, could you share with us what is the charism of the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago? Sure, Adam. You know, so the charism, we really understand that as the gift of the Holy Spirit to the founder or foundress of a particular religious community. And that charism, that way of life responds to specific need of the church at a specific time. And so obviously we're Franciscans and St. Francis of Assisi was inspired to live the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? To preach the gospel and to serve the very poor, those in need. And so for these last 800 years, Franciscans have been doing that in many ways. Here on the west side of Chicago at Our Lady of the Angels Mission, it's not any different for us as Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago, um, our name kind of gives way to it that St. Francis of Assisi, although he's often, you know, word associated with garden statues and loving God's creation, that's certainly true. But he, like every saint, is a profoundly Eucharistic saint. He had a tremendous love 
for our Lord. And he was just bewildered in the most profound way over the incarnation. He just was utterly fascinated that by that from the moment that he discovered that truth, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so when our Franciscan spirituality, Jesus, Christ in the crash, Christ on the cross and Christ in the Eucharist for us is, is essential to understanding who we are as followers of Jesus. Um, and so those devotions to our Lord and his humanity, but then the devotion of the faith that we have in his real presence here in the Eucharist. And so our life is rooted in our, in our prayer, whether that is, of course, every day celebrating the mass together as a community, having times of Eucharistic adoration, our spiritual reading, studying scripture, et cetera, the communal life, the fraternal life, living together, um, having our meals together, our prayers together, and then going out and serving God's people. So we work with the very poor on the west side of Chicago, a lot of basic needs. But of course, as followers of Jesus, as Catholics, as religious, you know, we don't just do it as social workers, but we do it with our eyes to eternity. We want everyone to get to heaven. So we believe that if we love people with the love of Jesus that he's placed in our hearts, then we can help people open up to that relationship with Jesus themselves so they can come to know him and love him and walk that road to heaven with him. We also help teach religion in some poor Catholic schools. So I get to teach twice a week, kindergarten through fourth grade. And that's a huge blessing. We do evangelization centered work, retreats, et cetera. Um, my service with this newsletter is part of that charism as well. And so service to the poor evangelization and teaching would be a simple way to talk about our apostolic work. And here we have a beautiful adoration chapel um, on our campus where our mission is, and we have a hope and a plan to build up eventually to perpetual adoration here and anywhere else that our community might be invited to serve, uh, in the years to come. So it's just a real joy to follow Jesus in the footsteps of St. Francis and Bishop Lombardo, who was not a bishop when he founded our community is our founder and superior. So we're really blessed, um, for his leadership and guidance over the past number of years since we were founded. And now he's one of the uh, Episcopal vicars in the Archdiocese of Chicago. So he's still with us and then also serving the church by overseeing the local area here on the west side of Chicago. Absolutely beautiful, sister. That That is uh, so wonderful to hear the great works that you and the other sisters are doing on the west side of Chicago. I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven. And again, for the Eucharistic Revival, that part's simple, eucharisticrevival.org. And not to overcomplicate it, for the newsletter, it's eucharisticrevival.org slash newsletter. Don't add all those extra words I added earlier. We'll just we'll make it simple for you. We are going to take a break here, but don't go anywhere. We will be back after this. It's time on this Tuesday for our Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier. And Patty, I have to say, as a father of young children, I am so thankful for this topic, passing the faith on to our children, because I don't know about you and your kids, but my kids did not come with an instruction manual on how to do this. Well, of course, there's no magic pill. There's no magic wand. And I do want to say, first and foremost, that, of course, we're all trying our best to pass the faith on to our children. And many, many holy, wonderful, wonderful Catholic parents have had wayward children. There have also been saints who have had wayward children. Then there are those that are wayward and their children turn out to be saints. So it, it is by the grace of God, by the grace of God, that our children with their own free will will choose to practice their faith, make it their own, and that it sticks. Let me just say that first. But I do think we can be bold and intentional. Yesterday I talked about being bold and intentional about the Eucharist. Today I want to talk about being bold and intentional 
about your time. Yesterday I said we become what we eat. We also become what we read and what we watch. That's intake. And that is very, very influential for all of us. And we have to make time for prayer, time for that holy hour. And I know that that comes at the expense of time for watching TV or time gazing at a screen Think about this at the end of the day, because my husband and I, we've always had a holy hour on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock. And by nine o'clock, I'll be honest, I really just want to sit in a lazy boy recliner and I really just want to turn on the TV and just watch something that's numbing, that's mindless, that maybe will make me laugh. Right. I'm exhausted. I don't even want to have to think. But we can sit and gaze at that TV or we can gaze at Jesus and talk with him. What's the priority, right? We have to ask ourselves, what are our priorities? Prioritizing mass, of course, over sports. It's tough, but it is possible. So time, look at your time and where you're spending your time on, what you're spending your time on. And here's a phrase that I've said many, many times, but it was worth repeating. And I heard it and it has stuck with me. Until you are convinced that prayer is the best use of your time, you'll never make time for prayer. And if you don't make time for prayer, Your kids won't either. They're watching you. They see where you spend your time. So do a little inventory maybe in your family, maybe with your kids, with your spouse, and say, where are we spending our time? Where can we carve out more time with Jesus? We have to be bold and intentional about our time so that our children will learn to be bold and intentional and make that time with God the first priority. Until we see that prayer is the most important use of our time, we will never make time for prayer. Patty, thank you for this encouragement. As we wrap up today, you know, I just want to remind you, be I think what Patty said, go hand in hand today, hand in hand. Use your time for good things. Don't waste your time. You, you only get the time once. You don't get it back. Once you've used it, it's gone. And, you know, we don't know the day or the hour that we'll be called to face our Lord face to face. So don't waste the time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. As always, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. It's been a joy to spend the hour with you. And as the Blessed Mother wants us to do each and every day, don't forget to pray your rosary today.